Welcome to the D2C podcast, brought to you by M3 Digital. Welcome back to episode five of the D2C e-commerce podcast, brought to you by M3 Digital. I'm sitting here with Jack, as usual. How are you, mate? Good, mate. Good. Good to be in a new space. It is. Very, very good. We've got some good stuff good stuff on the agenda. So let's get straight into the first topic. So so this first topic is scaling a Facebook ad account. So two types of scaling a Facebook ad account. You can scale vertically or you can scale horizontally. So I'll be keen to get your thoughts on kind of the preferred method that you're using for some of our brands at the moment. Yeah, sure. Um, so I think for a bit of context, the sort of difference between those two methods. Um, so a vertical scale is something we'd use when uh, you know, possibly in, in a past time when audiences were a bit larger and trust audiences were, large, were larger, lookalike audiences were larger, we'd be vertically scaling those audiences. So you might pick one lookalike, scale it, and it works for you know, a long period of time. Um, but now we're sort of moving into this, this space where audiences are a lot smaller. We've spoken about that on previous po- podcasts. And that's where we need this ver- um, sorry, horizontal approach where we, we scale across a number of audiences, a number of ad sets, and um, you know when when this is the case, we can we have to build that baseline, right? So we have to build out 10, 15 winning audiences in this horizontal scale. And um, I guess my thoughts at the moment in in, in the current space and the current landscape in terms of our clients, we're definitely moving towards a horizontal scale where we're trying to find multiple things that are working. So when things stop working or when audience sizes are a lot smaller, we can build on multiple audiences so that there's no drop off for example yeah. and the performance ma- maintains um in ad accounts yeah totally i think the same goes for creative too right so mm. you know just running it for, for example running a broad audience an open audience um and then trying to get 10 to 15 different types of creatives yeah working well so that it gives you a bit more um stability in in, in the way that you scale yeah. um it used to be a lot easier to scale um, scale vertically and just inject more and more budget mm. into one ad set and one ad or mm. multiple ads. What's happened is that ads just don't hang around for as long as they used to and performance drops. So if you've got multiple ads on lower budget, you seem to get more longevity out of those creatives, mm-hmm. um, which is, yeah, s- super interesting. There's still merit in both and I think we still utilize both both yeah. styles of scaling pretty heavily, right? It's it's not one, one rule for, for everybody. No. I think at times you're using both methods. I think probably the thing, the, the benefit about scaling horizontally at the moment is that it just do, does give you that stability in your ad account. And, you know, that, that, that turns out to be stability in your revenue. That's it. I think, I think a, a common conversation that we have with clients is don't put all your eggs into one basket. Yeah. You get one winning piece of creative or one winning audience and rely on that too much. Um, when that stops working, which inevitably will be the case, especially in the current landscape, um, you're in a sticky situation because you don't have anything else to rely on in terms of your, um, in terms of your ads, in terms of creative, in terms of basically stuff that's working in the account. Yeah. It generally affects the bottom line of the business, right? Yeah. So creating that stability through horizontal scaling really gives you that opportunity to go, right, so we've got 10, 15, like I said before, different ad sets, and it really gives you that stability that one of those drops off, you still have 15 or 14 other ones that you can still rely on. Yeah, um, yeah, those. totally. It also depends. I also think it depends on the volume too, right? Yeah. So if you're a high spend brand or a low spend brand, 
Yeah. Um, if you're a high spend brand, you can definitely get away more with scaling vertically mm. with a little bit of horizontal scaling yep. because you can exit that learning phase quicker. Yeah. Yep. Right. Which benefits you also. Cool. Um, next topic, organic creative in terms of Facebook ads versus produced production creative in Facebook ads. Mm-hmm. Now, this is something that we've been pretty in the trenches with the last couple of weeks, testing some pretty left-field <laughs> organic creative, yeah. um, very left-field organic creative that uh, we are seeing drive um, significantly better CTR than we would ever see from produced creative or produced ads so what's what's your thoughts on what we've kind of been dealing with the last week or so i think i think the the underlying basis of it really is that this push and pull between what what a brand or or a, an owner thinks their brand should look like so produce content organic content that maybe doesn't look quite as on brand but it works you know yeah. it resonates real well with audiences and you know the whole TikTok movement has really pushed people to trust this sort of content, right? True. People are used to seeing this content; they want to engage with this sort of content. So, be it a review or before and after shot or something real genuine. Um, and it it doesn't always look the prettiest, but people go uh, like when we know it's such a clustered space, right? There's so many people advertising, mm-hmm. pushing mm-hmm. for the space, CPMs going up, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So we we need to really find areas, regardless of. Uh, not regardless of, but you know, even though the brand, they, they're not too sure about how this looks, we've still got to find winning angles and getting people to stop on when they're scrolling, for example, and get on, get, getting through to the site and buying the product. So yeah. um, the most efficient way we can do this is through really using that as a tool, uh, yeah. using that engagement as a tool. It's tricky because it's not often that the most beautiful creative that probably has cost the most to Mm. produce Mm. actually drives the best performance when it comes to direct response marketing. Now, that's not to say that these ads um, have a great impact on your brand Mm. and the awareness to your brand, but the reality is on platform at the moment, not many people are watching a video more than three seconds. So if you've gone and developed a 30 second produced video that you've spent tens of thousands of dollars producing, you put it into your ad account and you see that it drives a 0.2% CTR with an average watch time of less than three seconds, you're gonna be gutted versus a screenshot of a before and after that you run that drives three times as much performance. I think it's fascinating. Yeah, I agree, I agree. Um, Yeah, I think like as brutal as this sounds, it's not, really to do with how good your product is, how good your website is, how good all that stuff is. Mm-hmm. Really, if you want to get cold customers through to your site, you really have to engage them with engaging content, organic content that they want to interact with. Um, not the stuff that you think your brand should look like. Um, uh, you know, this stuff's great. Like you said, brand awareness, awesome. But mm-hmm. really at that early first touch point, it's the engaging stuff. What's going to get people to stop and interact with your brand? Yeah, totally. And that's where something super unique can do that really well mm. something yeah. different Agreed. um now there's a balance there's yeah. definitely a balance yeah. in that and mm. i think at the moment we're really exploring that fine line with some brands that have been super flexible mm. with the way that yeah. we approach organic creative and, and to be quite honest the brands that are being flexible with us are winning yeah yeah it's true yeah Very true awesome so now next topic something we've touched on in a previous podcast briefly mm-hmm. now this is so so top of funnel campaign running add to cart as your 
conversion objective alongside running a top of funnel purchase with conversion objective and testing creative and copy in both top of funnel ad sets. Yep. The big reason we, we, we moved to this is we really wanted to approach how we could still get qualified customers to site while still exiting the learning phase with less budget. Mm. What are your thoughts on that strategy at the moment? Yeah, I think we're seeing, seeing it work with some clients. Um, I feel like um, a big topic of conversation in, in the Facebook space is how do we get brands out of learning? How do we get their ads out of learning? And we know that we have that seven-day window for 50 conversion events. If it's a lower intent, a lower intent conversion um, event, like an add to cart, like an SGA checkout, we're, we're more likely to hit that goal within the seven days. You know, once we get them out of learning, Facebook, in theory, has is, is learned how they get people to that stage, mm-hmm. um, to an add to cart. Um, so, so that's been great. That's been really good. I think it's also been something that's allowed, like you said, us to drive more traffic, get more people through to the site cheaper. Um, and um, in, in a couple of cases, we're seeing those add-to-cart objective campaigns work better than some of the purchase objective campaigns once we hit those, those goals. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah, totally. I think the other, the, the other component of, of running it is, is, yes, some clients we're seeing it work better, some clients we're, we're seeing it work not as well as a, yeah. a purchase conversion event. Yep. Um, I think what it does do, though, with good creatives, with good CTRs, is that it drives more traffic volume for less budget, mm. right? Yep. So um, what that then can do is it can really benefit your middle of funnel, which we're seeing on a few brands where middle of funnel performance is accelerated when you really drill into getting your middle of funnel content right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it can help you get semi-qualified customers through to your middle of funnel where you can then really crush your yeah. middle of funnel ads. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, and I think it, I hate the focus around traffic, but the focus around um, ready to buy traffic is real. Mm. the more sessions you can get on your side of ready to buy or in the market to buy at what end of the spectrum on your site the more your store will benefit because it it creates momentum Mm. Mm -hmm. we've seen this creates momentum over a long period of time and then it helps you maintain momentum providing you've got the right um, ads in place at different points of the funnel and that you're not going silly like driving running link click campaigns for example which is just a no Mm-hmm. but dialing back on your objective to try and get more in the market or potentially in the market customers mm-hmm. to maybe look at buying your product and then crush your middle of funnel to really convince them. Yeah, yeah. You know? I agree, yeah. I think um, one sort of one way to look at it is when, when you're running a purchase objective, you have a pool of people that Facebook thinks could be yeah. within that audience. Yeah. You expand it out to the add-to-cart realms or the initiate checkout realms. You're, ex- you're expanding that audience. You know, there, there might be slightly lower intent people in that audience, but that's when, like you said, you get the mid- middle of the funnel with something juicy like an offer or some sort of review or something like that in the middle. Um, but totally. in essence, yeah, you're just you're, you're able to target a much larger pool. You're still going to be hitting those people that are in that purchase intent audience, mm. but there's a few extras in there that may be on the fence in terms of how Facebook goes and reaches them in terms of what they're likely to do on your site. Totally, yeah, yeah. And that's... That's why you sometimes see your frequency, you know, get 1.8 to, to 2 on a top of funnel campaign, depending on what you're doing, is because yeah. Facebook's um, 
purchase objective audience is actually smaller than its add to cart and then it's right and then it's link clicks the the largest audience right which is pretty much everybody yeah in the way that it uses its algorithm so um i think yeah something something i think something everyone should be testing right now Mm. yeah agreed absolutely um we are seeing it work we're seeing and, and as we said we're seeing it work better than purchase objective campaigns yeah yeah at times yeah cool um that wraps us up um i have actually got one extra topic here around um add to cart assisting you in exiting the learning phase quicker we'll just touch on that quickly before we finish up how important do you think that really is i think it's important because there's two sides to it right so that one side yeah we will be able to exit the learning phase phase quicker um, but the sort of that's a pro that's a pro side of it right that we're, we're exiting the learning phase in terms of the fact that we can get people to add to cart and Facebook's finding people that are going to add to cart effectively yeah, yeah. stabilizes S- stabilizing it yeah, yeah. The, the negative side of that is we're only hitting those people right yeah we're still only that Facebook's going right we've got these people for you that are going to add to cart but there's no sort of learning beyond that yeah um, so uh, that's a little negative there but you know yeah. in theory once we've got those people to add to cart then that's when your funnel comes into play so um, and you know people likely if they've added to cart then they're interested in the product they're likely to purchase at some point right um, so you know, there's a little bit of a negative there but overall picture I feel like getting out of learning fa- out of that learning phase, phase has been a real huge topic of conversation so it's something that should be front of mind for all brands yeah. <laughs> in terms of their strategy on Facebook um, so whether that's a slightly lower event, um, that might work for a brand that doesn't have the volume that some bigger brands have because yeah. it's 50 purchases over seven days. Like some brands just, uh, you know, depending on yeah, their budget exactly. and, and, like, and stuff like that, then they're not, they're not gonna, just not going to get there. It's not realistic. Not going to reach it. Yeah, yeah. Typically low budget brands will, will very rarely exit the learning phase yeah. um, on a purchase objective. Yeah. It so it does help for maybe lower budget brands to maybe exit your learning phase. And exactly. when you exit your learning phase, you will see your CPA drop, whether yeah. it's an ad to cart CPA or purchase CPA, it does drop. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it stabilizes. Yeah. There's a lot of stabilization. Add a bit more scale. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah. So definitely, definitely try both. Um, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll, we'll see you next time. Thanks, Jake. Cheers.